Right now on the LegacyRetirementGroup.com phone line, we welcome back the president of Opportunity Ohio and our political contributor, Mr. Matt Mayer, with us this morning. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Hey, before we dive into uh, specifics with the jobs recovery, I, I was wondering if we could get your take a bit on yesterday's State of the State address with Governor Mike DeWine. I've got a quick clip I want to play for you, Matt, and then we'll get your uh, take right after this. My friends, now is the time to seize our Ohio moment. Our economy is moving, our state budget is on firm footing, our bond rating is the highest it's been since 1979. Our unemployment rate is only 4.3% near historic lows, and manufacturing is is flourishing. Ohio has always been a, a great manufacturing state, but now, now we're bringing in the highest tech manufacturing known to man into the state of Ohio, And guess what? The world is taking notice. Now, Matt, like any speech like that, there's a lot of show and tell. Um, Your first take from it. It, It's clear that Intel is going to become to DeWine Husted what two tours in Iraq has become to Josh Mandel. Mm. It's the go-to, let's pretend and forget and whitewash everything else. Um, Because here's the reality. one, One of the things he said was, quote, no better place to live. No better place to start to grow a business, and no better place that provides more opportunity than Ohio. Yeah, that was his quote. And it's factually, unfortunately, deeply untrue. I mean, people vote with their feet, right, Brandon? And yeah. Ohio's population is and has been flat for years. Businesses vote by creating jobs, and Ohio's job growth is among America's weakest. Right? Intel is a great thing, and I hope it produces everything that they want it to. But the, the fact that you know, the, oh, Intel could have gone a- anywhere. That's actually really not true. I mean, there was too much competition for workers in all those states that have been getting job after job after job that Ohio hasn't been getting for the last 20 years. So there was only like Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, where we have a surplus of workers where it made sense to put the Intel's big investment, right? And so it's a great thing, but they came here because we're frankly weak, not because we're strong. And, and that's the problem. And, and when you look at the numbers, it, they're just ugly, right? He, he bragged about how you know public higher ed is the big, big, big. He talked about how big it is. Well, it's big, but few of our programs are ranked in the top 100 in America. So, so we spend a ton of money, so we get mediocre results out of higher ed. Admit, there's administrative bloat everywhere, right? Focus yeah. once again on the 3C quarter. We're going to create a bunch of stuff in Cincinnati and Columbus and Cleveland. We'll throw some bones over there in Appalachia, but the rest of Ohio, too bad for you. I mean, and spending is at an all-time high. $35.6 billion went out the door in the last fiscal year. So there's just all this stuff where it's like, you know, DeWine Houston are simply disconnected from the reality of many Ohioans, and they're focused on patting themselves on the back, you know, about Ohio being mediocre. We can be better. We can do better. But we did not hear many ideas of how that's going to happen over the next four years. We, we got more of the same stale, boring, done that before, and guess what it got us? Mediocre job growth, stagnant population, and a combined state and local tax burden that's still among America's highest. Matt Mayer, president of Opportunity Ohio, is with us this morning. Uh, part of our discussion, we're dissecting yesterday's State of the State address. You know, I know DeWine had spotlighted mental health in schools, uh, more police funding uh, and reform on top of that. 
but I feel like I have heard before the investment in Appalachia. Am, am I wrong on that? And, and will it will it finally come to fruition here? Well, it sounds like they're going to invest in some state parks, right? Which okay, but you know, again, th- there is this amazing treasure that is the you know south eastern part of the state that mm. gets very little very little investment from from Ohio. I think we can can do better. We'll see what they mean by this approach in Appalachia, but uh, I mean it's it's one of those things where talk is cheap at this point. Yeah. Uh and you know there are also counties all over northwest Ohio, northeast Ohio that are dying on the vine. So what 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 are they going to do about that? They, and that's that's the real problem, right? Is everything's yeah. focused on the, the 3C corridor uh and, and it gets kind of gotten old, I think, for, for a lot of Ohioans. And I think they don't realize that there are a lot of Ohioans that continue to suffer. There's a reason why, despite the job growth we've had, Medicaid enrollment's on all, at an all-time high. There's, it's a problem when Medicaid enrollment is 72% of Ohio's private sector's job, job, job uh, uh, size, right? Yeah. That, that, that's, that's not – so you have essentially three – Medicaid enrollees for every four workers. Well, that's a problem. That's Ohio. He's proud of that. Like, my goodness, right? If, if, if we can be proud of that, let's just call ourselves Democrats. He did mention uh, broadband. It, do you feel that that's one of the keys in a world of uh, e-commerce to getting that into the Appalachian area? You know, I mean, they talk about that, and, and my God, they've been talking about that for 20 years, and yet it's still not done. I mean, that's yeah. part of the problem, right? Like, yeah. Some of these things on this second term stuff, it's like, Oh well, what what you do your first term? Like, why? What did John Kasich do for eight years? What, what did Taft do for eight years? What did Voinovich do for eight years? Like, at some point, right? I think that Ohioans are going to say, "My God, we've had these Republicans in control for all these years, and yet, like, we don't get the results that Republicans in other states are getting." Look what's happening in, in down in Florida. I mean, Ron DeSantis is killing it. There, there's so much good going on. Their job growth has exploded. Right. Their, their population is exploding. Yeah, yeah. And you can say that in other states. Right. Utah's doing great. Idaho's doing great. So it's not a warm weather, cold weather thing. But but here we just kind of we get this like mediocre mush and we're supposed to celebrate that. Well, I, I don't celebrate that. I think we can do better. And I think if we had some bold initiatives and bold leaders. We'd, we'd kind of get Ohio back to being a leader among the states, not the laggard that's been for 30 years now. Matt, it's pretty eye-opening. If you go to OpportunityOhio.org and you see the stats that you have put together, the right-to-work states who have dominated this economic recovery from the virus versus Ohio. Well, look, and this is, this is like, be clear here, Brandon, this is all the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics data. So mm-hmm. this is not yeah. Matt Mayer just kind of, no, picking, right. you know, hey, yeah. let me find some numbers here and make stuff up. <laughs> but, yeah, when you look at the recovery of the 13 states that have now fully recovered the jobs lost, 11 of 13 are right-to-work states. The two more next coming are right-to-work states. So you're going to have 13 of 15 right-to-work states have fully recovered their jobs. And where is Ohio? Oh, we're way down there at 34, ranked 34th. We're still minus three percent on recovering our jobs we're not even close and we won't be close for a long time and mike dewine wants to celebrate why are we not like idaho utah montana arizona arkansas north carolina georgia florida tennessee we're not like any of those states right and and in fact this past month for the first time we dropped below michigan now in terms of job growth since 2010 
Why? Well, because in 2012, Michigan went right to work. So did Indiana. If you look at the length of the, on the one right to work chart on the website, you look at the length of the line since 2010, you compare Indiana and Michigan, which both went right to work in 2012, to Ohio and Pennsylvania that remain forced unionization states. And the length of the line shows how much more job growth occurred above us and to the, to the, to the left of us, while Ohio and to the right of us, flat, weak job growth. And so, again, we can keep ignoring the elephant in the room, which is if you really want Ohio to kind of go full, full bore, we got to go right to work. But, but they don't have the political backbone to do that. They're political cowards when it comes to that issue. So it'll never happen as long as they're in charge. Well, and Matt, we've talked about this off the air, too. Um, what's the biggest roadblock? Is it is it the unions in Ohio that are they're trying to, to block all of this to become a right to work? And it's it's also being brave and being able to stand up to them if you're a politician. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of it. I mean, look, we have the veto referendum is what scares everybody because of Senate Bill 5 back in 2011. Right. And if we get anything passed, they can put it on the ballot for a statewide vote. Well, my thing is great. Then you then you raise the money to fight that if that's how it's going to be, right? But we also need to talk to the union members and say, hey, look, Chief, here here's the choice you have. You can have stagnant Ohio where there isn't fierce job competition, and your union has weak power because they can't get you the, 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 the what, what they what they they say they can get you because there's not tr- tough competition. Or you can have a right to work environment where there is lots of competition among jobs, which will only strengthen your union's ability to get the job benefits and pay that you want, right? Because where competition happens, that's where then the employer has to say, oh, I don't want these folks to go to other workers because there are opportunities. Right now, there aren't opportunities. People don't have much choice. They can't leave the job and go to a better paying job because there aren't that many in Ohio, right? Yeah. Under a right to work world, it actually strengthens their union rather than weakens it. But but that's the conversation that needs to happen so that, that the, the, the rank and file can be moved. Look, the union bosses are never going to move, right? They make all their money, and they're in bed with the Democrats who, who want to protect you. That's all a, a, a political game. But the but the rank and file, they can be moved, and we got to do a better job of moving them. But yeah, it's it's fear of fear of fear of losing. And my sense is, well, go big. If you lose, at least you tried. Matt, to do nothing. That that's cowardice. Matt, I have I have about sixty seconds left. Uh, you have an, another interesting stat about the rising cost of filling up. We heard earlier this week the White House kicked around has handing out stimulus checks or gas cards. I think Governor Newsom in California actually wants to do that, give out four hundred dollar gas cards to every Californian. But this stat is interesting because you we saw an increase in gas within days of Biden winning the twenty twenty election. Yeah, I, I put this on Twitter yesterday. If you had the Wall Street Journal chart that I kind of annotated, and if you look at it, right, the, 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 the gas prices went down when the U.S. shell revolution boomed, right? And then with Donald Trump's policies, we got to energy independence because he kind of put that on, you know, on, on steroids. And literally within days of Biden winning the election in November, we're not talking about in January, within days in November, the prices start to go up and they've not stopped. Why? Because he was very clear throughout the general election campaign that he was going to have a war on carbon. And so that meant all the energy producers, they all started kind of, oh, boy, we better batten down the hatches. We better be careful about how we do this. You know, they, they, he, he chased Wall Street investment out of the energy industry. And so they can't find money to do exploration in, in production. We, we shut down pipelines. So the idea that this is because of Putin and Russia is just poppycock. It's because when you have a war on carbon, you cause this is the cause and effect, right? Gas prices in in, in uh, natural gas prices at home that 
skyrockets for consumers and businesses. 